we will go ahead and get started here. Uh, I have not been part of this parenting class, so I really don't know what you've been doing. Um, but uh, we're really glad to be here. Uh, Tim Hoke had asked Natalie and I and the Boswells to answer questions, to uh, talk through things, um, and, and none of us is seeking to be, we're the final answer on everything, or we have everything perfect, or that um, our, our kids aren't pretty shaky, like our oldest daughter. Um, but um, we, we do want to please the Lord, and there'll be definitely some discussion in here. He gave us a few questions, and he actually handed me all his handouts, or at least not all of them, but all of them that he had on hand that he and the, and the class he's gone through at this point. So I have, I have some of those as well. Um, if I could just start reading, I could read in a few different passages, but has, has he looked at all in Psalm 78 in this class? You can remember? I didn't, I didn't see it in there. So I'm going to read a part of Psalm 78. Um, just the first eight verses of, of Psalm 78 to kind of set our thinking, and then I will pray. And then if you want to just, if you have questions about parenting or thoughts on parenting, and uh, you would like us to respond, again, we are imperfect parents that, that do want to be used of the Lord. So let me, let me read Psalm 78 just as a, a way to kind of set our thinking today. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known and that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So I think... Everyone in this room, we would echo, and some of you are done raising your kids. Some of you maybe are looking forward to having kids someday, potentially. Um, some of you, you know, we're at different stages in life. But I think as a church, this is a really important way to think. In our, in our church um, covenant, and I'm not going to word it perfectly, but it says, connected to parenting, it says we want to you know, raise them up, something like in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, um, and it says those that are in our care. So it doesn't just limit that specifically to a biological child. It might be foster child. It might be a, a grandchild that you're able to influence and care for. It might be even by extension, those in a Sunday school class you teach or just kids in this church. We want to see them raised up to know Christ. And in a culture and world that is increasingly negative about family, negative about traditional parenting rules, negative about if there's rules, that must mean that it's bad because that's oppressive or doesn't let people self-actualize or whatever. Christians are going to be more and more countercultural in our desire and effort to raise our kids for Christ. So 
as parents and as grandparents and as aunts and uncles, potential parents, um, we, we want to be those that are willing to, to fight for truth and to do our best as really, really imperfect people. So that'd be, well, with that thinking, let me pray. And then um, you can just, if you think of questions to ask, ask them and we can have some discussion and uh, we'll just go through this together. Heavenly Father, we desire to, to please you. We, we read these verses and it talks about obedience and it talks about um, what God desires. And Lord, that's what we want. And there's some freedom choices and there's, there's choices in life and there's, there's areas that, that good Christians disagree on. Lord, there's a lot of areas that our culture might disagree on, but your word doesn't. Your word is very, very clear. Lord, may we be parents who follow your word, who admit and confess to their children and to you when, when we sin, who seek to grow and improve. We don't just say, well, this is how I am, or this is what I do, or this is the way I was raised. But Lord, that we would be people that are, are clay, are, are moldable in, in your eyes, and that we would seek to continue to please you. And, and Lord, for those in here who have already raised their children, and like those of us who are still raising our children have regrets and things they would do differently and, and things they think, oh man, if only I had done it this way or that way. Lord, thank you for your peace and for your grace. And we don't get a redo in life, but by your mercy, if, we, if we're given another day, we can do today differently. We can do today in a way that honors you. We can go back and, and apologize. We can seek to, to be different now. And Lord, thank you for your, just your ongoing mercies to sinful people. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm not sure what um, questions you might have. I think probably if this is taped, want to ask a question, we'll repeat it, and then um, Jana and Natalie will answer it, and then we'll just keep going like that. <laughs> so we'll, we'll just keep on going. So do you have, uh, does anybody have any questions to start us off with today? Uh, question. How do you, as parents, knowing that we're obviously desiring to raise our children in a very different way than the rest of the world, and even amongst a lot of other Christians, how do you guard your own heart as a parent from building pride uh, comparing your children to others? So the question is, in, in, a, in a challenging world, how do we guard our heart to not be prideful in parenting if I make a decision that's different than you, or I would say potentially, hey, this is better for kids. Why is somebody else doing something differently? How do we how do we fight pride in that? So what do we what do we think? I'm just going to suggest to like for logistical purposes. Why don't first question you answer, and then if we have input, input we can add it. And the next question, Natalie, third question. Oh sure. Like we just take turns. Yeah. And then we just kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yes, I was thinking it was first time I've talked too much. I, I, um, so I would say, one, I think God in his goodness really does sanctifying work against pride. 
as a parent because I felt more of an expert as a parent before I had children. Um, and I and, and I really, I, I've wanted to be a dad since I was a, a fairly young kid. I, I like working with kids. I've done, I was a sports director, did a billion sports programs. I, I, I always wanted to have kids. I mean, we were dating pretty early on. I was like, yeah, this would be great. Get married and have a bunch of kids. It would be terrific. Um, but I, th I think, I think a couple things. You just, you see your own failure and you see increasingly your desperate need for Jesus not weekly, but like daily and hourly. So I think that's a big thing. I think um, the, the parenting of young children is, is different than older children. And so I think when they're younger, it's much more, hey, little three-year-old, you really are going to wear shoes today, even though you don't want to. Or, no, daddy said no, and so no is what's going to happen. And it just gets, it's challenging and different as they get older when you're healthily giving them some freedoms and they make choices, some of which you would not uh, think is best. And some of them really for sure are not best and you have to stop. Those are just hard lines. So I think God does sanctifying work on us in life. And I think um, one other thing too, I think having a gracious attitude about people that are different is just super healthy for Christians. So when I was first a family and youth pastor, when I was in my 20s, I went to a church that was maybe close to 300 people. And my parents went there and I, I had visited there some when I was in college and stuff, so I knew them pretty well. And then after the YMCA and after seminary and after the YMCA, then, then I, I went there. And uh, it was a pretty intense, different parenting styles. We had a homeschool faction that believed if you didn't homeschool, you're probably sinning against God, but they didn't get along. With, and then there was a small group that went to a Christian school and they thought you homeschoolers are legalists and you public schoolers, you know, who knows if your kids can even be saved. There are some that were like that. Uh, and then the generally some of the public school families were like, our kids are missionaries. And in reality, very few of them were converted but they were like, you know, we're not a bunch of legalists like you other people. So those three groups of families, I remember coming there the first time like, hey, we're going to have a parent and teen meeting. And the parents didn't like each other. And the kids didn't interact with each other. And um, they would have activities where, hey, all the youth group kids, come on Friday for this. And the other kids couldn't come because they were in school. And then they would have, the pastor would have, hey, movie nights for the non-conservative kids. So we'll watch movies that the homeschooler families <laughs> wouldn't go to. And these, so it was a really convoluted thing. And I, I spent, you know, we were there six years, over six years, and we really worked at, you can be different and, and that's okay, but you better have a reason for why you do what you do. And I think a big thing, and I know I'm going too, on too long with this, but, um, whether you homeschool, Christian school, public school, you better have reasons why, and you better spend a lot of time with your kid, whatever your schooling choice is, because you stand before Almighty God. So pick whichever choice you feel best honors God, because you can honor God in each one of those three. And, and, and you can't be judgy about the people that are different than you. It, there's, there's freedom there. But you better have a reason for it, and you better... Um, you better get after it with your own kids. So I think just pride, we just have to 
fight it and fight it. All right, next next question. Yeah. In addition to praying for yourself and that of your child's heart, um, whenever they're in seasons of not being very enjoyable, what practical uh, steps would you take to love them well? Okay. So along with, with praying for your children, what practical steps did we take to... How did you word that again, Lois? When they're not enjoyable. Okay, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When they're challenging, when they're not enjoyable, when it's... When it's times where it's kind of a grind, how do we keep on honoring Christ and loving and guiding them? To connect with them, to enjoy having a relationship with them, to exert the effort. Yeah. Yeah. To keep on exerting the effort and putting in the effort even when it's exhausting. Natalie. (laughs) I, I guess just really trying to think about putting yourself in the awkward situation of doing something with that child that that they you think they would enjoy. Um, just continuing to pursue. I know it, it can be just hard sometimes when you feel like you're not connecting and you might even feel like, well, that child doesn't want to connect with me and so it causes you to hesitate even more to pursue because oh, I'm just going to annoy them more and we're going to have a harder time here. But uh, but then I think if you do just pursue, I think you'll find that they are more recep- receptive than you thought they would be. And that a child always does want that attention from a parent. Well, I think, I think so for nice. the most part. <laughs> so uh, just fighting to pursue yeah. children. It gets harder as they get older. I won't make you take that all by yourself, Natalie. <laughs> so I can totally uh, sympathize with being in a place where uh, they might not be enjoyable to be around. And um, just like Natalie said, trying to connect with them and figuring out things that they enjoy doing and doing them with them. Um, and I think that you said you prayed for them and you also, you know, you prayed for their salvation, you prayed for their health. But I think that it can be as simple as to just pray that the Lord would help you to like them. And you know you love your child, but even just praying, Lord, help me to like, you know, like them for who they are. And in the midst of really difficult, you know, time that you might have with them disagreeing or maybe disobedience or whatever. Um, And the Lord is faithful to answer prayers, even as simple as, Help me to like my kid. So that's the only thing that I would add. I would add one thing too. My, by maybe my junior year of high school, I'd always gotten along really well with my dad. And I would say to anybody, he's the best dad you could hope to have. But we were kind of sideways and it just wasn't, my older brother had gone off to college and I didn't want to be told what to do. I mean, I was the one in rebellion. It wasn't some crazy rebellion, but it was. And we were really tight for money, and, and my dad went and found some crazy weird deal where you could go to the Colorado State Rams home basketball games for crazy cheap, and he bought some pack, and we had no money. Like, we didn't go to McDonald's. We were rugal, but he had some deal where he spent money that he would not, he spent 100 bucks for him, and it was $10 for me to go to 10 games. 
which for us was like that never happened. And we went to the first game and we didn't talk the whole, he tried to be like, hey, how's it going? And I just wouldn't even talk. I was lousy. And the next game we talked a little bit more and I don't, God, and he prayed the whole time, I'm sure. But we both liked basketball. And it was like something we could kind of do together. And I remember not talking on the way home. And the next game was a little bit more. And by the fourth game, we were, by the end of the season, we were all back to, to good again. And I think a lot of that was God's just working on my own heart as a rebellious 17-year-old or whatever. But I would just say, keep on. Like, don't, don't give up. Every parent in here. And if you can find something little even, kid likes to eat this, go and eat it with him somewhere, even if he doesn't talk much, and then do it again and again. I just keep, yeah, keep on. Next question. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'll take a stab at that one. So, to summarize the question, when you have lots of kids, especially little ones, life's hectic, how do you manage to spend one-on-one -on -one time with your individual kids? So, the thought that I have, a memory that I have of when our kids were little is bedtime, spending one-on-one -on -one time with my kids when I was putting them to bed, and I'm not trying to say that I was always putting them to bed, but I did do that some. <laughs> Certain kids, yeah, every night. I remember really, really uh, sweet times with my kids, like putting them to bed at night, telling them a Bible story, singing a song, praying, and it was really a sweet time when, when your kids are, they're really, they're really open to listening to you and also opening to speaking and talking to you. So I just remember that as being a special time with our kids. One-on-one -on -one is bedtime. And I'm sure there's a lot of other things, but that's just what jumps out to me. Um, I agree. Bedtime is really special to kind of hear from your heart. Um, I think sometimes as moms, we feel like that we uh, have to create a special time and like mark it out on our calendar um, and I think sometimes that can add a burden, you know, like the, another thing to put on your to-do list um, to have something special, you know. But I think what my, the younger ones would remember um, or, you know, the, you know, their younger years, I guess I should say, is that um, you are listening. Like, you know, I think we get really busy and that you will say, you know, yes, I'm listening, or you'll kind of halfway. But I think if you want to have the one-on-one -on -one time, you actually have to make eye contact and really hear what they're saying. And I think that's what they remember. So you don't have to carve out necessarily a special, you know, um, daddy-daughter date or, you know, anything like that. If you just take time at home just to really listen, I think that, that you'll see the connections. 
Um, all of those other things are special because I think our girls feel really special because Cliff made a special point to spend time with them and our boys with me and, you know, vice versa. But um, it can be very simple. You know, the connecting time can be very simple. But you do want to have special times too. So um, I think the biggest thing is to not put a burden on yourself and make yourself feel like that there has to be this, you know, really magical time that just the two of you spend together. It can happen, you know, anytime when you're at home. I'll, I'll take, uh, be thinking of other questions you might have, but we have several on the, on the list here. So I'll, uh, I'll take this one. Uh, how has your parenting changed over the years? You parent your youngest the same way you parented your oldest at that age. It's interesting, you know, our, our daughter Elise is here from St. Louis, and uh, I'm sure she can answer this one for us. Um, I would say we do the highest percentage we parent the same way today in a general sense. But on the other side of that, you're by God's grace, if you're always learning and growing and he's doing his good sanctifying work, um, I think there's ways that I know I don't sin against Will and Jacob that I did against Elise. I know I yelled at her more. I was angry at her more. I expected her to be an adult when she was seven more. Then, then I, and, and Elise was kind of an adult at seven. Not that she was mothering her younger siblings because that's, that, that was, you know, she was more like, pick up the pace, slacker. She's got a little more of that going on. Audrey's got a little more of a mothering side. Our second daughter, uh, Elise, is more like, I'll drag you along as we get this done, <laughs> young sibling. Um, but I know I, I had an idol of what I wanted to get done and what I expected, and you know, I, I will be respected, and a little more of a how dare you sin and messed up my day. I know I had more of that going on in my 20s than I do in my 40s. And, uh, and I've apologized to Elise for that. Yeah, and she's forgiven me. But so I, I think there, by God's grace, there's things that we grow in. I think every kid is way different. That's something I wasn't aware of. I'm sure you guys were, but I was not. We had Elise, and I thought, oh, be like that. And they're not like that at all. Like, they're all so, so, so different. And I thought if we raised them the same and they're genetically the same, they'd be more the same. And they're just not at all, which is terrific. But, you know, the, this kid that responds well to this, this other kid doesn't. This one that feels really connected through doing this, this other one doesn't. Um, a lot of our kids have connected with me by going to do farm stuff and we're going to drive together. And we're just going to talk in the truck and... You know, one of my kids doesn't like any part of that. He doesn't really like farm stuff. He doesn't like riding in the car, and he doesn't like to make small talk. <laughs> and uh, and so I don't really have a, a B plan. I only had the one plan. And so I actually talked with him three weeks ago, and I said, I'm not very, you and I are not very connected. And you're 13, and I'm 46, and I, how, do we, how do we get this back? And what's some things you can do, and what's some things I can do? And... He volunteered to ride, which I didn't say he had to, but I went to pick up another kid and he said, hey, I'll ride with you. And I was like, really? Yeah. And we had a nice talk. And he basically said, I want to talk more sports and less farming. And, and for me to not be 
too preachy about this. He's a, a believer, but he felt like I was being too preachy when we were talking. Like I was training him up too too much on things. Let's just let it let it happen a little more naturally. And I respect that. Um, so yeah, I would say we parent um, for some reason. I think we discipline less Will and Jacob than most of our other kids. But some of this, some of our kids were less obedient than others. I mean, I'm not naming any names, not, none of that, but so some of it, yeah. Can you think of anything else to add to that? Okay. Um, you hear, how about you do the, the next one? And then we'll take another question. I was thinking about this one earlier. What have been the toughest challenges for you in parenting? It's not, but you can do that. Oh, the next one? Okay, what have been the most helpful books, podcasts, or resources on parenting? No, that's for you. You and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So, uh, well, we liked the Shepherding a Child's Heart book, and there was a second one that followed up to that was Instructing a Child's Heart, which has more fleshes out, some more practical applications. And um, those were really helpful to us, but there are so many good parent, yeah, Age of Opportunity, all of those are by the Trip Brothers, and the Age of Opportunity is for teens, and the other two are for the younger children. Those had really good biblical principles, but I know there's a variety. There's just so many resources out there. Um, you know, you guys find them. Well, yes, I brought the books because um, I will reiterate those have been very helpful. I think as a church, we've went through a couple of those too uh, in the past. Uh, I brought a couple. I really love Edith Schaefer's What is a Family? This is not a practical book. It doesn't say this is how you deal with this uh, situation as far as obedience. It's just a um, look into how her family evolved and how she was as a mother um, and uh, it is an excellent book, Edith Schaefer. Um, I think, I think uh, Tim Hope mentioned this book, uh, the Child Story Bible. We use this some with our kids. It's a great Bible that's like a step up from a children's Bible. I mean, it has you know kind of the same format as a Bible. Um, this, of course, is not a parenting book, but I wanted to bring this to show you that we have found this very helpful. Our kids have read from this. Um, and uh, this book is called Just Do Something. It's by Kevin DeYoung, and this is probably more for teenagers. We have a 17-year-old and a 19-year-old, a senior and a sophomore in college, and so there's lots of questions about what direction do I take in life, what should I, you know, um, what should I major in in college, and all these different, this is very helpful to that. Um, it's, you know, very practical. So, you know, Edith Schaefer's is not as practical. This is like, this is what you should say whenever your child says, I don't have a clear understanding of what I do for the rest of my life. Well, the Bible tells us, and he, he gives really good instruction on that. This is called Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. It's by Sally Lloyd-Jones. She did the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, so the Jesus Storybook Bible, I'll say, is a really good one to use with uh, younger kids, toddlers, and, you know, five- and six-year-olds. This is kind of like a companion to that. It's got her beautiful illustrations that she does. 
And it's just almost like a little devotional that you can share even at night, at bedtime. Uh, we did it sometimes at breakfast. Like, you know, they are, none of our children are morning people. So they were not into, you know, any kind of, um, you know, anything that they had to give a response to was not a helpful time to get them. So this was something good that I could say to them in the morning to get them thinking about things. So um, we, our kids are very competitive and we would do like Bible trivia and things and they loved that. So whenever your kids get a little older and they're, you know, learning a lot uh, from the Bible and from Sunday school, they loved playing Bible trivia because they were super competitive with each other. And um, this is, you know, you've probably seen these brain quest things. That was a good one to use. And this one is not really a, a parenting book for sure, but it was very helpful to me whenever I had little kids. It's called Honey for a Child's Heart. It's a list of all the really good children's literature. Uh, our kids went to the library a fair amount. This was helpful to take to the library to know what kind of books were, you know, um, good reading material for the kids. Not, not all of them were, you know, Christ-centered or anything like that, but just good you know, literature for kids. Um, so um, I think that answers the question. <laughs> no, that's really good. And I would say um, my dad came to Christ when I was four or five. My mom was a believer but wasn't living as, as one very accurately. They both really wanted to be good parents. Probably erred on the side of, of rules more, I don't think to a sinful level, but they were going to err was on the side of strictness. Um, Natalie's family didn't have a lot of rules and didn't have much Christian guidance. She did from a grandmother that she generally lived with, and her mom often was usually there. Um, and so we read a ton, because we would be, I remember Natalie reading what to expect when you're expecting, and being like, what? okay, this says this. Okay, we're going to do this. We'll keep this kid alive. Because we didn't, like, I'd never, she didn't really maybe that much and I didn't I hadn't been around little kids and so we we would read tons and talk with godly influential people seminary professors I remember Mr. and Mrs. Dr. and Mrs. Finkbeiner were really helpful to us and uh, so utilize other people that are honoring God and how they're raising their kids I remember we had the Finkbeiners over to our house so we wanted to raise kids like they raised their kids and, um, you know, this guy is the smartest guy in any room that he walks in. His wife was really cool. They were just really love the Lord. And uh, we didn't even know, like, how to have people over hardly. And they had some kids. And I remember, we just thought it was great. Their kids were pouring Kool-Aid on our floor accidentally. And I hadn't ever grilled for other people before. And so we had hamburgers everywhere. And they were just hockey pucks. And, and I remember it was a really wild time. But even now, we still interact with them a little bit. And, uh. So utilize people. Age of Opportunity, I think, is the best, best parenting book that I know of by a lot. It deals so much with the heart and parent heart. And what am I looking for and why do I do this? Um, so Cliff, is this next, you want to take this next one? What have been the, what have been the toughest challenges for you in parenting? <laughs> there you go, Cliff. I don't know why I, don't know why I need this paper because I heard, heard the questions. <laughs> Toughest challenges for you. I actually wrote down an answer at some point for that. Okay. So, there, like, we could write a book about 
this question about the toughest challenges for you in parenting. I'll say the challenges have changed since when our kids were little because we used to have little bitty kids that were close together. And I would say back at that time, the toughest challenge for me was not being angry and grumpy uh, and just trying to find joy in parenting because these kids were just wearing us out, making us angry, grumpy. Like, how can we get away from these little monsters? Um, you know, feeling sorry for myself, looking at other people whose kids are older and thinking, you're so lucky, I can't wait to be in your shoes. You don't have a clue what it's like. Um, look at those, you know. So just, you know, bad attitude, I guess, on my part would be a, would be a challenge. And then knowing how to deal with kids. Am I being too honest here? I don't, I don't know why they ask us to be up here because we are like, probably going to give lots of bad advice. Um, so then just knowing how to properly discipline your kids, like when do you start spanking them? I mean, I thought I was a parent. I'm like that. I thought I was a parenting expert before we had kids. And I would look at other people and be like, oh, you need to spank that boy. He needs a whooping. Um, like if that was my kid, he wouldn't act that way. My, well, my kids won't do that. Yeah. So, but, but knowing when to start spanking your kids, because I thought, well, hey, all you got to do is spank them. They start act, they act up, you spank them, they're going to be perfect little angels. And it didn't turn out that way. And so just knowing when, when to actually do the spanking, but when also to maybe just do something else like a soft word or maybe a firm word or maybe taking away a um, privilege. Knowing how to discipline has been a tough challenge. And then now, as our kids are getting older, knowing how to deal with, this is one of the questions on here, boy-girl relationships, knowing how to deal with that, knowing how to talk to them, knowing what kind of rules to put in place, but also knowing when to be permissive because you don't, you can't expect your kids to not like members of the opposite sex, and it's natural that they do. Uh, so knowing what to allow, what not to allow, I, I don't have a clue on that one. So I'll just say it's a challenge, and... Uh, and that's, um, I, honestly, there's people in this room who would, would be, well, way better equipped to talk about that than me. If you actually have kids who you successfully raised to be follow, followers of Christ and married and now they're godly adults, then you should be the one to answer the question about kids dating, not me. But anyway, uh, I'll just say I've got no answers, but there's lots of challenges. <laughs> I, won't, I won't take this as a definitive or you want to pass that paper back to me? Or, or I guess you'll pick the next question. But let me, um, so this won't be like a, hey, here's every detail on dating um, thing. But I would just say, we want to honor God in every part of life. And so it's not, oh, we're dating, and so go do whatever you want, or just be a step more conservative than your non-believing friends. That, that's, that's not how Christians ought to think. Um, and the challenge of parenting has always been in front of Christians. Um, if you look at, you know, why did the, the pilgrims, the separatists, go to the Netherlands before they came to America. It's because their kids were integrating into ungodly society. And they said, I don't want to have any part of that. They moved to the Netherlands. They were a generation in the Netherlands, and they found out our kids are doing it again. It's just we're in Amsterdam now. Where do, what do we do? We, then in 1620, they, they come here, and it keeps on going. We see halfway covenants and things like that. What do you do with unconverted adult children? So this isn't a new challenge. This isn't a, since our culture is so tough, now it's a challenge. It's always been a challenge to pass on the faith to the next generation because sinful people 
do not want to submit to Almighty God. But here you have in your home this opportunity to have a kid or seven kids or whatever God has given you. That you have this opportunity to, to fight for truth. And, and the Bible talks so many times about this is war. The spiritual warfare idea really is real. Too many times Christians act like that's not a thing. That, that's a thing. That's real. That's every day is a battle. And so I think not giving in is a huge thing for parents. I think too many times parents of teenagers, and I'm not saying it's, it's happened in, in heritage per se, but everyone is tempted by it to say, I give up. I can't, I can't win with this kid. This kid's just doing, I just, I give up. Now there is a time and a place when they're an adult and you can't speak into their life in the same way you once could. But even then we don't give up. We, we continue on. But that kid is living in your home. You're going to keep speaking truth. And if they get to the point where they're saying, I will not live in any shape, way, or form in a way that represents how my Christian parents, it's saying that they're not converted, want to live. Um, there is an age and a time to say, you're going to have to live somewhere else. But if you live in my home, this is, this is the way we do things in our home. And I think right along with that, ideas of obedience, kind of in our modern world, and I know I'm going off on this, but then you'll get the next. Um, in our modern world, so I, work, I was a sports director at YMCA, and my, my co-worker that had the next office would come in, and I think I've shared this with a few people, she'd say, you know, how's our little robot today talking about Elise when she was little? But we had these crazy rules for her, like, off my office is the YMCA swimming pool, so you're not allowed to go out there because you're a freak. Or you're not allowed to stuff McDonald's french fries in my computer, even though you might want to, like that lady kid would do in my computer. And so that lady, my rules for Elise... Like when I was in my office, Elise had to be in my office. If I went back to the gyms to watch guys play basketball or to break up a fight or whatever, then she could come, but she had to stay in my office with me and the door was open. But she knew there's a line right there and she can't cross it. So this lady had a, had a master's degree in childhood something or other, and she thought, oh, a bunch of robots. But I just want to say, the Bible has a whole lot of obedience that God expects of you, his children. And, oh, she has to do AV. And, sorry, I didn't talk. Uh, and, and, and so and God expects obedience of us and we should expect it of our kids if your 14 year old said I'm not doing the dentist anymore dad I'm done the dentist stuff was for back in the day you would like no you're going to go to the dentist All right, yeah I used to wear seatbelts but I'm in middle school I don't wear seatbelts anymore and then, and then parents will go along like my, my kid doesn't want to do this anymore well you make it more a seatbelt so so I, I would just push yourself. You've got your individual context of that. And the same with, with dating relationships. You need to communicate a ton. I think there's sometimes some apps of knowing where they are is healthy. We have been imperfect parents in that. It is natural for young people to want to do things, even if they're not sinful, and they don't necessarily want their parents to know every detail. If you're any kind of parent like I am, I want to know every detail, or every second of where you are. And as they get older, there's less of that because... They're 18, they're 22. Or they're, so there's just, but it's, don't give up and say, just do your thing. Or just pray about it. You know, Natalie's parents would say, um, by that time her mom was professing faith, and they'd just be like, well, you won't do anything wrong because you're a Christian. But yeah, you will. So, I, and, you know, we needed some borders there that, by God's grace, between our growth as believers and my parents had some helpful things were helpful to us. I've gone on too long. All right, go take the next one. Or whichever one you want off of. Okay. Um, as you look back over your years of parenting, 
Are there any things you regret? Any things you would love to go back and do differently? So um, I'm going to go back a little bit and say that Cliff is not giving himself enough credit for <laughs> his, his answer. He actually uh, really pursues our kids. There's a lot of ways in which we do not know what we're doing, but he is so good at uh, wanting to ask the Lord for wisdom because we do not know what to do a lot of times. Uh, but the Lord does, and he... I have found over the years something that I keep telling myself is that he loves our children more than we do. And it's hard to believe that because, you know, in our minds, we look at our kids and we are so in love with them and think that they hung the moon and they're precious to us. But to think that the Lord loves them even more than we do is sometimes hard to fathom, you know, but he does. And um, if I can look back over the years and um, by no means have Cliff and I arrived because we have, we have four teenagers right now. We're in the throes of parenting for sure, just a different stage. But if I can look back over parenting, um, you know, babies and toddlers and adolescents, um, I would say that I would... Um, I would spend more time in the Word, and it is hard. We, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as moms to find that time, and then when we don't find the time, we condemn ourselves. Um, but I have found that that is what has made such a difference in my parenting, is relying on His Word. And um, I would encourage you to do it any way that you can, through reading it, uh, listening to it, um, you know, be sure that you are here communing with other believers. Uh, Sunday school was, was so helpful to me when my kids were little. And not just like a parenting Sunday school like this. It was a time for me to um, be able to focus because there are, um, you know, Sunday nursery during Sunday school. A lot of times whenever our, our kids were, you know, five, six, seven years old, they were climbing all over me during church. But during Sunday school, I could really focus. So I would encourage uh, Sunday school to you all. Or, or, you know, if I could, I would go, go back and go more to Sunday school. Um, I really found it very helpful to be with other moms. So if you're really struggling, our um, tendency is to isolate. Um, and don't do that. You need to be with other believers, particularly people who have went on before you, who know how to uh, deal with whatever parenting situation you're in, whether it's having an infant and you're up in the middle of the night and you're tired, someone who can sympathize with you. So I would encourage uh, young mothers to uh, have a mom's group. I met so many people in our community by going to mops, um, and I would encourage that or having one here at our church. Um, if I could say about things that I would do, anything else that I would do differently is I would um, not care so much about checking off all the boxes like I was talking about before. Um, your kids don't have to have a magical, perfect childhood. They just want to have you present. So I would be present more, and I wouldn't worry about, um, you know, Disney World. <laughs> we took our kids to Disney World, yeah. But... Um, you know, like, <laughs> we did, we took them. They, You're not bad parents if you don't take your kids to Disney World. Not. No. 
But like Thad was saying how um, they read What to Expect When Expecting, we read all the parenting books, and they were very helpful. But it also was, uh, our, what is the one, Baby Wise, where you try to get your, get your kids on a sleep schedule. It was helpful, but it was, you know, made me feel like that I had to do it this particular way, and you don't. And so that's what I would tell myself. Okay, I think we're out of time. Yeah, yeah and I would just, I would, I really appreciate, we have, there's several more questions that we're not going to get to, and you could talk with us or talk with others at, at any time. And just know, I would encourage you with this. Sometimes as, as parents, we, we compare ourselves to others and we see either where we think we're falling short or where we think they are falling short. And I would just really encourage you, and fight that. Because I, I would say this, don't, I, I talked with a young mom that does, is not part of our church a while back, and she was like, well, everybody's, I feel judged because of this. And I said, I don't think anyone's judging. She said, oh, they're judging me. I don't know. I don't know your church context. I don't, I just feel judged. And then she said, well, she feels judged at work and she feels judged here and here. Like, fight that. As, as Christians, you're a child of God. And he's doing his sanctifying work in you. And it's different than the sanctifying work he's doing in somebody else. And so don't, and, and if you think, oh, so-and-so is judging me, just fight off that and remind yourself over and over and over. I stand before the God of the universe who made me. I'm going to parent different than other people. These people are my come-alongsiders, not my competitors. Am I doing enough? I'm not doing enough as them. That is not, as a body, I want the hand that might do some stuff different than me, but I need the hand, I need the arm. And by God's grace, you have all these other people in here that are scratching and fighting by the power of the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus Christ in their parenting. It's awesome. Let me pray, and then we'll get out of here. Lord, you're good to us. Thank you for the gift of children. May we uphold life from conception, natural death, until we die ourselves or until you return. May we care for those in our care in a way that honors you. And Lord, may you uphold and strengthen the parents, grandparents, and other caregivers in this room, and in our greater church, and in the body of Christ. In Jesus' name. Thank you.